I want you to look at this based on the thing of deception. Orders they were there to join a fight of good versus evil. And when insurrectionists broke into the Senate chamber, in addition to rifling through senators' papers and scrawling messages to Vice President Pence, they prayed. Hi, it's Stacey Abrams. There's a huge fundraising deadline for House Democrats. In Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us to keep building, to allow us to exercise our rights, to allow us to send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs. That we will not allow the America, the American way. The problem isn't that the January 6th insurrection and Trump's whole demagogic movement are imbued with Christianity, one of the world's great religions. No. Remember, the United States House and Senate have chaplains who are Christian and deliver prayers every day. And the night before January the 6th, Reverend Raphael Warnock, the longtime pastor at Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church, was elected senator from Georgia. Reverend Warnock and the chaplains are perfectly capable of being very Christian and also existing very happily within the multi-faith and multi-ethnic democracy represented by the United States Congress. None of them are storming the Capitol. Now, this particular brand of Christianity that is linked up with the Trump movement is a different kind of thing. Christian nationalism. The belief that the United States should be ruled by Christians and by a certain narrow interpretation of evangelical Christian values is not a new thing. The journalist Michelle Goldberg wrote a book about the rise of Christian nationalism back in 2006. But what's new is the fusion of that ideology with the potent political movement of pro-Trump stop the steal election denialism. Evangelical leaders preaching to their congregations about the stolen election and praising the January 6th attack as a righteous revolution to restore America. It's also about the fusion of religion and race too. A poll released in November by the Public Religion Research Institute found that 60% of white evangelical respondents believe the 2020 election was stolen, a far higher share than other Christian groups of any race. The journalist Sarah Posner has written a book on how white Christian nationalists powered Trump's presidency. She put it in this way in an essay this week for Talking Points Memo, quote, a movement that elevated Trump to messianic status was able to convince millions that satanic forces had robbed God's man in the White House of his anointed perch as the restorer of America's white Christian heritage. Their duty as patriotic spiritual warriors was to go to battle on his behalf. Need an example of what that battle looks like even now? Perhaps you've seen this viral clip of Tennessee pastor and January the 6th attendee, Greg Locke, this week. I'm to the place right now, if you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You can get out, you baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. I don't care how mad that makes you. You get pissed off as you want to. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. Bunch of devils. I'm sick of it. 
They want to talk about the insurrection. Mm. Let me tell you something. You ain't seen the insurrection yet. You keep on pushing our buttons, you low-down, sorry, compromisers. You God-hating communist America, you'll find out what an insurrection is because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. My Bible says that the church of the living God is an institution that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the Bible says that we'll take it by force. That's what the Bible says. Wow. Let me ask you this. If a Muslim imam in a mosque said that, looked into the camera and said, you ain't seen an insurrection yet and we'll take it by force. That's what the Quran says. What do you think would happen to that imam? Seriously, what would happen to him? I think we all know. Look, that clip of Locke speaking at his tax-exempt church is one of the most bonkers, most disturbing, most extreme things I have seen in recent years. And I say that as someone who spent the past seven years covering the likes of Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. But here's the thing. Thousands of people attend some of Greg Locke's sermons in person. Millions online. He's one of more than a dozen pastors who participated in this weird Stop the Steal roadshow that features General Michael Flynn and Roger Stone and Eric Trump holding events at churches across the country. And when you're calling Democrats demons and devils, it's like more and more Republicans calling Democrats pedophiles. Devil, devils and demons and pedophiles can't be allowed to win elections. They are by definition ungodly and illegitimate. And anything you do to stop them is justified. Enter the newly elected Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano. He kind of fuses together the religious and political sides of this movement. He was the Trump campaign's number one ally in the Pennsylvania state legislature in their effort to get Joe Biden's win in Pennsylvania overturned. He marched to the Capitol on January the 6th, running for governor. He campaigned at events like Pennsylvania for Christ, whose organizers claim their goal is to reestablish the kingdom of God in Pennsylvania. And let every adversary against democracy, against freedom, against life, against liberty, against justice, against peace, against righteousness be overturned right now in the name of Jesus. Let justice be done. Let justice be done. Let justice be done. Let we, the people, have the assurance of a fair and a just election. I thank you for President Trump. I put a hedge of protection around him. I secure his purpose. I secure his destiny. I secure his life, God. And I thank you that he will walk in a holy boldness and a wisdom, God, and that you will go before him. You will be his rear guard, and you will go in front of him this day and every day, God. That was Paula White, Donald Trump's spiritual advisor and White House advisor, delivering a very Trumpian opening prayer on January the 6th. Less, let us be guided by your wisdom, O Lord, more, protect Donald Trump and smite his enemies. There was a lot of this brand of Christian ideology on display that day. Before marching to the Capitol, members of the far-right, violent, proud boys knelt in the street and prayed in the name of Jesus... is to ask this question. Can you be deceived? Many people were deceived. Those who you saw 
in the Capitol building praying, you have to deal then with Romans 13 to obey the law of the land. There's that whole issue of being deceived and following something that is not true. And that is the whole purpose of the second beast. Is to deceive the people in thinking the first beast is divine and is God. And that they're willing to bow down and worship. Deception is what Satan uses constantly. When will all this happen? It's already happening. It's already happening. What took place January 6th was not just planned the night before. That was planned way before, even before Trump ever became president. Things that we are seeing as far as attitudes in the minds of people and the way people are performing and living and doing and their anger is not something that is just started. It's been brewing for some point. If you allow the water to boil and you allow it to continue to boil, have you ever noticed how water, when it gets so hot, jumps out of the pot? That's people. It hasn't got so hot that they're boiling and they're jumping. Go to First John chapter 4. And I want you to take this very seriously. And then I want you to watch your children, your grandchildren, and people around you. If something is happening, we should be able to see it. Now, it's our choice to do this and to do this. Or we open our eyes and really understand. I don't know how many of you listened to Melvin this morning. I hope you've been following him through his series on inerrancy. Inerrancy comes about because of ignorance of not knowing God's word. And you can easily be misled because you don't know God's word. Now, God says what is going to take place in the sense of revelation, is already taking place on a smaller scale. How many of us as parents or grandparents accept certain type of lifestyle from our children and don't say anything? How many of us accept the wrong and we see the wrong and don't say anything? How many of you know our children Grandchildren are living outside the will of God and don't say anything. And because of our silence, 
we participate in the Antichrist type spirit or attitude against, against, against everything that God sets up for us that is holy, pure, and clean, we begin to say, it's okay, they're not really bad. It's, it's, no, that's a small deception of Satan. In 4.3, he says, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Now, underline your next statement. And even now is already where? Father, open our eyes that we can see the work of the Antichrist in preparation of what will be taking place in Revelations chapter 13. Help us, O oh God, not to be Christians who are silent or ignorant or accept your word as a fairy tale or just some good sayings, but that, Lord, we believe it from within, that every word that you say is true and will come to pass. Minister to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If Satan is already at work, if this Antichrist is already at work, shouldn't we be able to see some dabbles of it, a little bit of it, unless we do this? And the fearful thing for me is this, is a lot of people who think that they're Christians may not be Christians. They've said something with their mouth but their heart is far from God. They've said something as a religious statement, but don't live out what this word says. And couldn't tell you what was found in the Bible and what's not found in the Bible. But he says, this is happening already. Why is it happening already? Key word, preparation. How many of you prepare for something special. How many of you take time and plan for what you're going to do, the preparation time of doing it? Satan just can't speak it and it happens. Why? He's not God. But Satan can slowly prepare the mind and the heart of men and women to draw away from the Lord and follow him, believing that they are following a divine character or a true God. And that's the great deception that takes place. Preparation is something prepared for at a special purpose or time. A rebellion doesn't start in a day before it happens or a week before it happens or a month before it happens. It's usually a long time. If you read Hitler, you will understand 
Hitler took years homing his philosophy, even while he was sitting in prison before he ever became the fear of Germany. Hitler started years before preparing what he was going to carry out for those four to six years that he carried it out. The Civil War. Did that just come up within a week? It was 400 years of slavery that brewed the Civil War. The North and the South, it took 400 years to that to boil to a point that something really had to happen. World War II, as much as America tried to stay out of it, and close their eyes and not hearing of what was taking place over in Europe and everywhere else. And sometimes we say it, it's not happening to me, so it don't bother me. The reality is, it is happening to you. You're just not accepting that it's happening in your family, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your co-workers. It's happening. It's happening. The Boston Tea Party was not just a one-night thought and a revolution between Britain and America. It didn't just happen. Oh my, it was preparation of time, 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 and then it happened. Satan is in his time of preparation for what's going to take place in Revelations. Now, January 6th, again, we're just not planned the night before for this insurrection. It was something that had been planned way before Trump ever even took office. And a lot of times we're blaming the Trump. And we're not looking at what was taking place before Trump ever even went in. The mentality, the hatred, the bigotry. There's things that we're not looking at before Trump. Trump just caught it at the right time. Even with Christians. Never looking at him as a womanizer. Never looking at the lies that he told. Elaine and I were out to lunch with a good friend. And, and he brought up some things. And Elaine brought up about the lies. And his question to Elaine was, what lie? And at some point, you have to understand, people will choose to believe what they believe and you will not change their attitude about what they believe or what they're going to follow. As long as I'm getting a little bit of what I want, I'll follow that. I'll follow that. See, it's happening now. And we're the ones that have to open our eyes. For what Satan is doing with the second beast or the false prophet is only what has been years in the making. How many of you would sit in the church and hear a pastor say, whether you be Democrat or Republican, I don't want you around here. In other words, you're not thinking like he's thinking. You can't be there. 
And see, that's not Christianity. What we were hearing and what we saw is not Christianity. But from the news, people believe that's how Christians are. And if I, were, if I was not a Christian, if I didn't know what I know, I would be saying, I got to be cautious of that group. I got to stay away from that group. That's a radical group. Only thing that group wants to do is bring me under their control. And I'd be fearful to be in a Christian because of what was shared and what's being broadcast about Christianity. We need to understand that the false prophet is already at work doing the work of the Antichrist, doing the work of Satan. Go to Revelation 16, 13. Revelation 16, verse 13. He says, Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. They came out of their mouth. Usually what comes out of the mouth is words. And words can be deceptive and misleading. So you have Satan, you have the beast, and the false beast all spewing out deception and lies. Over to 1920. We'll be coming back to this again. 19 and verse 20. But the beast was captured. And with him the false prophet, who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded or deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. How did he get them to worship the image and to receive the mark? Through deception. Through deception. When you don't have information to compare with information, you only accept the information that you're hearing. That's why scripture says to search out the truth. Search it out. And if you're not searching it out, you're believing whatever you think you hear. You accept that. And the sad part about that is there's a lot of self-misconception. You believe what you say to yourself over what Scripture says. You believe what you say to yourself against the Word of God. And it should be the Word of God that corrects your conceptions or your preconceptions on what you're thinking. 2010, 
He says, And the devil who deceived them, the devil who deceived, each one of these verses talks about what? Deception. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, you have to answer this question. What happens to those who believe them? What happens to the people who are deceived? What happens to those who believe a lie? Now there is a main purpose for this first beast. He is to set himself up as God. But remember what we talked about last time is that it is Satan using this real person to disguise himself because he's in the background using a real person. He gives him authority to set himself up as God in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now what we see is this second beast who performs in a sense, like the Holy Spirit performs on behalf of Jesus Christ. For there you have that trinity of Satan, in a sense, equaling the Father. The first beast is equaling the Son, who is also then, in Scripture, as we're going to see in that first part, was wounded, a fatal wound, but then was resurrected and given life. And then the second beast who comes on the scene to do one thing, to exalt the first. And it said of the Holy Spirit that he comes not to speak of himself, but to speak of who? Jesus Christ. But you then, through Satan, following this pattern that God has ordained, uses it to deceive people and trick people. His main purpose is to be a helper to the first beast. That's the main purpose of the second beast, is to be a helper to the first beast. Roger, we need some air. Just turn the switches on in the furnace room. Thank you. I forgot to do it. The air should already be set. But... His job is to just to be a helper. And that's amazing. Because that's what the Holy Spirit was to Jesus. To glorify the Lord. And to push the name of Jesus. The second beast is going to push the first beast to be worshipped. Let's go to Revelation 13. You can take John 60 and you can read it. It's what the Holy Spirit's going to do in helping Jesus Christ. But we want to get to Revelations 13, 11, and 12. 
Because the deception starts off from the very appearance of this person. And this is a real human being. Both of them. Both beasts are real human beings. Used of Satan. So in verse 11 in chapter 13 of Revelation he says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. Now when's the last time you ever seen a lamb with horns? A lamb is usually an animal and is described as an animal as being defenseless. It has no weaponry. It hardly can see, so it can't run very fast. It gets lost in a moment. But this person is like a lamb in that it's supposed to be gentle and defenseless, but it has two horns. Anything with horns can hurt you. Anything with horns can hurt you. And he said, it's like a lamb, but it has two horns. Then he gives a little more description about it. It's like a dragon. His voice sounds like what? A dragon. In science fiction and everything about dragons is that dragons are always destructive. They destroy him. And this second beast is going to destroy. Though he has a way of seeing, though he's gentle and defenseless. Less like a dragon that is strong and mighty and can destroy. He has that too. So he says he's like a lamb. And his speech is like a dragon. Destructive has the ability to destroy. And he is not speaking of himself. Let's go a little further. Verse 11, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He has two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority. He exercised all the authority of who? The first beast. Now you got to ask yourself, where did the first beast get its authority? And further back up in 13, it tells us, that the first beast received his authority from who? From Satan or the devil. So Satan is still at work in this. And he goes on, he says, he exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf. He's working on the behalf of who? The first beast. Not for himself. Remember, the Holy Spirit would not speak of himself. He's not speaking of himself. He's not doing anything for himself. He's doing everything for who? The first beast. The Holy Spirit does nothing for himself. The Holy Spirit does everything to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. The second beast is following that role in a sense. Now, I want you to understand the word Antichrist. Often we just use it from the simplest term of understanding as against. Against. 
The word antichrist does mean against, but it also lends itself one who opposes, which again would be against. One who opposes. And the way the antichrist is described in 2 Thessalonians 2, he's against everything that is holy, everything that is of God. He opposes. That's why he changes the sacrifices. Because as he entered in with the Jewish group, he agrees with them, but somewhere he makes a change of the sacrifice because those sacrifices was to the one and true God. And somewhere he makes that change in time that it now will be towards the Antichrist or the first beast. The second part of this thing, it means simply this, in place of, in place of, that you are putting something up as of God in place of the real God. In place of. Now understand this. People need to worship. And they worship something even if it's the wrong thing. They believe something even if it's the wrong thing. Because they need to believe. So what he does is give them something to believe in place of the reality of truth. So he gives them a lie. And they believe a lie. And scripture says they perish because they believe a lie and do not love the truth. But he gives them what they have need of. Something to believe in. So Antichrist is in place of. And then the third is a substitution of the real. And we're going to see that in this text, that he does all three of these things uh, in place of, of the real. Now, we did the prime time. Well, what you look at now is this deception that really takes place. We've had the lamb. We got the dragon. Verse 12, the authority that is given. Boy, from the first, where he gets his authority from, from the devil, from Satan. But here in in verse 12, it begins to make a little change. So he says in that verse 12, he exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Whenever you are not exercising, in a sense, your own free will that God has given you, we used to call it brainwashing. It's a term you don't hear much today. But out of the hippie movement came that word also, brainwashing. That the way that they lived, you had to be brainwashed to live that way and to think that way and so forth. Satan's going to do a very good job in brainwashing. For that people will believe what they're doing is the right thing, although it is the wrong thing. 
And because of that, they are somewhat made to believe and to worship this first beast. And it's happening very subtly. You're a Christian, aren't you, Carol? You born again, fire bread, yeah. baptized, everything, aren't you? Yeah. But what happens if you fall in love with a Muslim? I don't know. <laughs> and you have to leave what you believe is right oh, and accept the other. My niece did that. And my brother chewed him from one end to the other and chewed out the in-laws and everybody else. But that didn't help anything. But she knows when she comes around us, she don't wear all that Muslim garb and so forth. And his thing to his daughter, you were not raised believing this. Now being raised to believe something... And discovering something for yourself is altogether different. Christianity, you have to know Jesus for yourself. Not because your parents or grandparents believe. You got to believe because you know for yourself that Jesus Christ. But it makes it so easy to change from one belief or from one religion to another religion when you have not personalized this with Jesus Christ. And if you really are a born-again Christian, you wouldn't even start into that kind of a relationship. And yet we see it happening more and more and is one of the fastest ways in which Muslims are growing in the United States to, have, to marry into someone who says they're a Christian and then they convert over to Islam. Is Satan working? Is he doing it subtly? Yes. He's working. He's working. And he makes the people worship the beast through deception. He says, boy, and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. There's the resurrection. That these people have seen something with their own eyes. And because they've seen it with their own eyes, they believe it's divine. They believe it's divine because what they see, not because of what they searched out, but what they see. Go back up into uh, verse 8. Look what it says with the first beast. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship. Now it's going to be made to happen in verse 12. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast and whose name has not been written 
in the book of life. Now, there's a group of people who are still saying no, and those are those individuals who know the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they were before tribulation or after tribulation. The issue is this. That book of life is only the people in there who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and God knew from the very foundations of the earth that they were going to be saved. And he says, those will not worship the beast. They will not worship. For his fatal wound had been healed. Then when you get into verse 13. And he performed great and miraculous signs. And people will say, boy, that's God. That's God. That's God. Just because it's signs don't mean it's God, don't mean it's divine. Even to the point that he causes fire to come down from heaven to earth. And you see this with your own eyes. How can you deny that this is a divine person or there's some divinity here or that God is with us? You've seen it for yourself. Fire come from where? From heaven, from the sky, to where? To the earth. Deception. In full view of men, and because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Now look what he does, this final and greatest deception. We say we won't do this. There are many people that will do something to get what they want. Oftentimes in movies, you hear this thing, would you sell your soul to the devil to get, and people readily, yes, 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 to give what they want. Listen to what he says here. He says, He ordered them, He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast. He ordered them to set up an image to honor the beast. Now, in your scriptural understanding, where has that happened before? Israel. They see God deliver them from Egypt. They see God open the Red Sea and allow them to cross on dry land. They see God do many miracles without ever really seeing who? God. But somewhere they get to a point and somebody gives them an order to build a calf or to build an idol and they do it. After all what they have witnessed and what they have seen and what they have heard and what they know what God has done. Yet they are willing to be deceived in building something that is not 
God. And that's us today. We will be deceived. We will be tricked. We will allow our feelings to get into it. And what God is saying, love the truth. Don't be deceived. He's warned us over and over. Don't be deceived. And yet deception is here and is working its way through. Even to a point that you get here with these people. And he says, build an image. And if they had any Bible knowledge, they would go back to Exodus 20 verse 4 where God says, build no idols or images of him. And yet, they do it. They do it. They build this image in order to honor it of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet live. He was given power to give breath to the image. Now, they're going to see this. Uh, something of stone or wood or whatever, he gives it breath. Now, what does breath indicate? Life. When something breathes, it has life. It doesn't matter if the rest of the body don't move. It could be paralyzed. But if it's breathing, it has life. And then he gives this image something else. The ability to speak. The ability to speak. Now just think, if you were to see this with your own eyes, how would you respond? And especially if you didn't know scripture. If you had no knowledge of the Bible. If you had no knowledge of God. Do you understand why today there's that lesser and lesser and that lesser part of really allowing God to be penetrated into our community, into American lifestyle? Satan is slowly removing it, removing it, removing it. So that we can be just like these people. And this is where we wind up one day. The great deception is that the people think what they see is divine and is God. Because of the miraculous signs, the fire, and the image that is now breathing and is now speaking. You have to understand something. The smallest sin that we commit is a deception of Satan to keep us from believing God. The smallest sin that we commit for sin is lawlessness. It's a breaker of God's law. No matter how small. But it is also a deception because you're saying you believe at that moment something else other than the truth. Fourteen, a sign is given. Because of the signs, the people are deceived. And the order is to build this image. Fifteen, he gives it breath. And he causes it to speak. But look what he says 
And that's what's important to really catch. That he could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be what? Killed. Democracy is out the door. Buddhism is out the door. Islam is out the door. Everything is out the door because it's going to boil down to this two things. Believing the image or Satan or believing God. You're not going to have a choice with all these other things. Either you're going to bow down to the image and worship the image or you're going to bow down to God and die for God. Don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. But fear him who can cast body and soul into hell. One more moment, and I'm done here. He gives breath, and it's the whole thing that he's going to take life. But then he includes everybody in this. Rich, poor, I don't care what your title is, whatever. Just think of those people in Kosovo. You could have been this and you could have been that. You could have been a, a, a millionaire. You, you're leaving with just the clothes on your back and nothing. Nothing. The beast is going to take everything. You can't buy or sell without what? A mark. You can't buy or sell in a sense, without permission. Do you know today, if you move $10,000, the government has to know that you moved it. The bank has to report it. So there's becoming a more tighter, tighter control over what we think is ours, where understanding is really not ours. Let's close out here. He says, you can't do anything without this mark. And you will have a choice, either take the mark or die. Now, over in chapter 12, it says, boy, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. How many of them will stand up with their testimony about Jesus Christ and die for him? Then he says, in that time, You'll know who this person is. He says in 17, the latter part, he says, Which is the name of the beast or the number of the name? This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, two things. Wisdom, insight. Godly wisdom, godly insight. You can calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man number. And when that time comes, those who believe in the Lord, who has the wisdom of God and the insight of God to discern the time in which they're in, will be able to calculate who this person is. Understand something. This is preparation time. You need to know what you believe and who you believe in. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. We don't know when the tribulations will start. We believe we're already in some of it or we're right at the door of it. 
But Satan is not a joke. Satan is out to deceive, and the preparation for his deception is already taking place. It's taking place in your children. Talk to your children. See how they think. See what they say about life today in this world today. See how it compares with scripture. Talk to your grandchildren. Talk to your neighbors. Communicate. And above all else, don't be a hypocrite. (coughs) Excuse me. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a Christian who's saying you love the brothers and sisters. You love people. And you're like that pastor. If I ever get like that, y'all throw me out. Throw out anybody that would come in talking that kind of garbage. Know who you are in Christ. And live for him. Don't be ashamed of him. Live for him. Because Satan is at work today for what will take place tomorrow. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for giving us your word and giving us insight and giving us wisdom. Would you help us, Lord, to understand it and know how to impart it and know how to share it. It's not a fear tactic trying to scare people into heaven or scare people into a relationship. It's just the truth. Either we are for the Lord or we are against the Lord. Either we are truly born again or we're not born again. We are truly saved Oh, we're not saved at all. We're not half saved. We're not partially saved. We are completely saved. Or we're not. Would you speak to all of our hearts? Would you give us insight in the day in which we are living? And Lord, as Paul says, absent from this body, present with the Lord. And Lord, whatever day I'm living in, no matter what the troubles may be, the trials may be, that Lord, I can say, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it because I know the one who keeps me. I know the one that is the Lord of my life. I know the one who David says, He's never seen the righteous forsaken. And he is more than able because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Help us as your people to believe, oh God, beyond what we're capable of believing. Help us to fix our eyes on thee and thee alone. And not be troubled, but to be concerned and aware of what's going on around us. And Lord, we'll give you praise. And we end with this little short prayer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.
Come quickly, no matter what may have to take place before. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and rule and reign over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. In all that I go through, because praise is what I do, because I own.